Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 124 of All Out War. I'm Turner, and I'm in the studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, we were going to have Rachel with us. She started off with us, but then she's injured her neck, and she was hurting too bad, so she had to bail off on the from the being. She's, she's, not, she's remote, mm-hmm. so she always dials in to be with us on the podcast, but... Hopefully next time she'll be with us and uh, we'll have her uh, with us again. It was good to have her back on in our last episode. We were talking all things Gematria mm-hmm. with uh, Lindsay. But uh, anyways, man, what do you know? Hey, did you know that President Zelensky just suspended all 11 opposition parties becoming a head of a one-party state? <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Good job, Zelensky, ushering in old communism on your own as you fight communism <laughs> against Russia. Yeah. No, we were just joking about that, but... Uh, yeah. I see your communism and I raise you. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. Fascism. Uh, uh, but uh, no, actually, did you know that if you were to shoot... It's kind of topical. Okay. If you're going to shoot a nuclear missile and you hit it with a rocket, yeah. do you think it would blow up? I, I mean, one of them would because one's a rocket, right? Yeah. Like a... If you were to shoot a nuclear bomb as it was being dropped, do you think it would explode? Hmm. I don't... I'm not a nuke tech, so I'm not so sure about all that. <laughs> I'm afraid to answer. Why? No, I was going to say no. It wouldn't. Yeah. It would... It wait still hits the ground. Well, it says uh, or is it causing a nuclear bomb to detonate requires a precise orchestration of events without which the chain reaction does not initiate and the bomb does not detonate. Cool. So um, so even if you shoot it out of the sky, it's not going to hurt anything. Yep. It won't oh. It won't explode, which is pretty cool. So anti-nuke missiles are a thing, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's and, cool. Uh, oh, another one is, uh, did you know that Haiti... Eliminated all official racial distinctions by the first uh, prime minister, uh, the Haitian founding father, is that uh, the constitution, all Haitians, regardless of skin color, would be considered black in the eyes of the law. (laughs) Regardless of skin color. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Said uh, Bill Clinton must be (laughs) the first black president, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is in in the 1800s. It said... uh, and this guy, the, the Haitian founding father was uh, Jean-Pierre uh, Boyer. And uh, which one call it? What is this guy's name? Uh, I'm sorry. French guy one and French guy two. Jean-Jacques Delanez. Delanez. <laughs> I, can't, I can't understand it. Yeah. But uh, in their first constitution, it says race was an ideological concept. What? In the and, 1800s? Yep. And by securing Haitian... Citizenship, a person became black. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's like yeah. that's like wokeism, 1800 style. Yeah. But you know what else? This is a, not a, did you know, but yeah, I guess did you know, he, the the same guy. Um, was a woman. He identified as a woman. Yes. Really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. He said that the Polish were their brothers in arms. Nice. And that uh, Polish people are also black. Honorary black. Yes. Okay. Well, that's... um. So I want to tell everybody on this podcast that as a Polak, <laughs> I am black. Through the Haitians. <laughs> Through the Haitians. They've accepted you as so one of their own. I wanted to make this public and say that now I am identify as black and I'm biracial. <laughs> I'm a BIPOC. You're a BIPOC. So I'm I always knew you were bi. 
Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Easy, fella. Easy. Hey, speaking of bye, um, we, I wanted to say that, first of all, uh, welcome all of our new listeners. Um, we On Instagram, I have to say that because uh-huh. on Instagram, we over the last couple of weeks, we've had tremendous amount of uptick in followers, which means hopefully people are listening. <laughs> so I'm assuming that they're going to listen to the podcast at some level. And uh, I wanted to welcome them to the podcast. And um, we do occasionally, people don't understand how we do do this part of the podcast. And uh, Rosie always starts off with a did you know. And it makes me laugh about the one lady that sent me a comment on YouTube. Um, I wanted to hear about uh, what was the episode we were doing. Oh, shoot. I can't remember what, what episode Whatever it was. Whatever the content was. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I wanted to hear about that. But all I'm hearing is about Saddam Hussein in a porno. <laughs> It was one of your, one of your did you knows, and it was totally hilarious. Uh, they just, I wonder if she stuck it out to listen all the way through. Probably not. Yeah, but it, look, you got to have a little bit of humor in your world, uh, it, and you know, Christians have a tendency to be a little bit uptight occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think laughing is a beautiful thing, and uh, being able to laugh uh, is even better. So yeah, just don't laugh at me being black because I, I am black. <laughs> My brother. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, and then also I wanted to say one last thing before we jump into our, our, our special guest. Uh, the private episodes have been going awesome. Mm. Um, it's still not too late to join. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. If you want to be a part of our private episodes, we're, we've committed to, uh, I think, 20 extra episodes for the year. These are paid uh, it's basically a paywall. You pay uh, $40. It's $2 an episode. We will probably give you more than 20 episodes, but we're, we're shooting for a low bar of 20. And uh, we're basically, um, it's censor-free material. What we mean by that is not that we will cuss and all this other nonsense. What, what it means is that we will be able to talk about things because it's a private RSS feed that uh, YouTube will not be able to censor and... Facebook and everyone else, whoever else tries to censor us, even Apple uh, won't be able to censor us because it's private and we talk about what we want to talk about. And right now we're going through a book called Jesus in the Talmud, which is actually pretty censorable mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you have a critique about certain types of people groups, not Haitians or Polish, but other people groups, uh, you can get censored pretty quickly. So, Well, I was going to say, it's not that we're even bashing them. No. That's the thing is... It's from an apologetics standpoint is correct. What does the going through and seeing what does the Judaism think about Jesus? Yeah. And uh, so even just can you, we can, we could sit here and start saying stuff like the prophet Muhammad was a, a, a dwarf who suffered, suffered from syphilis. He was ugly and he was a pedophile. And I could say that. his first wife was eight or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah. uh, Aisha, his uh, favorite wife yeah. was eight, but he waited until she was 13 to consummate. Right. Because he's a stand-up so guy. So he said. Right, yeah. So we could talk about that, about the Prophet Muhammad all, you know. Day long, yeah. He's burned in hell. No one cares about that. But if we just go, what does this other non-Christian religion talk about? Right. This can't, other can't Abrahamic one yeah. of the three. <laughs> right. What does it say about Jesus? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so th- I just want to say, um, I hope people are enjoying that. I've gotten some feedback and people are enjoying it. Um, and you and I are a little bit more free on those episodes. So if you want to get to know Rosie and turn a little bit better, uh, I would say you can just 
find me on Instagram, message me, or you can email us at alloutwarpodcast at protonmail.com. And we are on we are on Proton Mail, and you can email us and say, hey, I want to be a part of the private podcast, and it's a Venmo situation. We'll set you up. We'll set you up, yeah. And uh, it'll be good for all – you get all of the past and all the future episodes as well. So, yeah, and it helps us out. Yeah, it's so. basically uh, – we've been doing the podcast for about four years now. Everything's free. You can always find all of the past ones, and we're going to keep yeah. doing – this one, but if you want to kind of help us out, get a little extra content, there you go. There you go. All right, man. So uh, I would say sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, everybody, we got a great guest. It's a returning guest onto the podcast. I think this is actually the third. his third time. And that makes him the second most. Second highest uh, <laughs> re- returning, returning guest. guest. Yeah. And also, too, the, the one thing that stuck out to my mind, which is so appropriate for this time, is that the last time he was with us, he determined the yeah. the gender of our baby. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna publicly chastise him for that again because it was a girl. It was a girl. But remember what he used? This is what makes it appropriate. Oh, for oh. a Russian coin with Lenin's head on it. Remember, I had that Russian coin from oh, when that's I was. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, you guys might remember if you're a longtime listener, our our friend John Schweppe is with us, and you can find him on Twitter. And you can also find him at a Substack. His Twitter is at John Schweppe, and we'll put the connection in our show notes for his Twitter handle. And also his Substack is John Schweppe at .substack.com. So you can find him there. John, thanks for joining us on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's been um, it's been about a year or so, maybe a little bit, little bit longer. Yeah, it kind of feels like the world's totally changed since then. Like, I can't believe we actually assigned gender to a baby. That's terrible. <laughs> well, you did, and I'm still pissed off at you about that, <laughs> which is why we don't have a kid anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We abandoned it. We, but we were, I remember we said we were either going to have a son or we're not going to have a kid. That's right. I remember Rosie putting it in the car and dropping it off at the steps of the church. That's true. <laughs> For them to <laughs> We're just kidding. Please, sir, more. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so if anybody that listens to us knows that John is active on the Hill, uh, on Capitol Hill, that is, not just the Hill, and uh, and he is the Director of Policy and Government Affairs for the American Principles Project. Principles Project. And you can find them at a- APP or AP Project uh, at Twitter as well. <laughs> I'm butchering this whole thing. But John is like uh, one of the leading voices uh, in right now and doing some of the best work to help curb internet censorship. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to have him on the podcast so that we could talk about this topic of internet censorship, which nobody disputes if you're on the conservative side that conservative voices are being silenced, you know, in record numbers. I mean, we live in a time where our, our own former president was kicked off of a social media pro- platform, which is just crazy to think about to me. I don't know about you guys, but that's just crazy. 
And John, I want to give you props too. I did hear you get shout outs uh, from a guest that was on uh, Timcast about a month ago. So, uh, oh, that's, I think I, I think I remember that one. Greg Price, I believe. Yes. Yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah, he yeah. gave you props. He said uh, he gave you good props, and I was like, yeah, well, John's been on our podcast, so I figured it'd be uh, a matter of time before you'd be joining them at some point. So, I hope so. My parents love Tim Pool, so that would be really cool to go <laughs> on. I'd love that. Would you give us props if if you were if you were on there? If, if I, I I don't know. I mean, going on. I mean, I would have to you know think about my previous association. <laughs> I have to disavow, you know, but up to this point, I haven't disavowed Rosie, which is frankly pretty impressive. <laughs> A testament to my character. It is. I was going to say it's, uh, you are one of the few guys in our group chat. Uh, I'm thinking of one other guy who will, you, before <laughs> on the, when I got suspended or my last Twitter account before the current one that I have, uh, you always would text me and say, hey, man, I wish I could like this publicly. <laughs> but I, that, that, did, that always meant a lot, John. <laughs> well, remember, we had, uh, we had Cabot Phillips on, yeah. and uh, he's distanced himself. He, he, he no longer, you know, will. I think if he could get rid of that episode, he probably would. Yeah, he disappointed me. <laughs> he disappointed you, yeah. So we're good at that. So, John, just be yeah. warned, you, you'll have to distance. But we know we, we know that deep down you love us. And I know where you yeah. live. Remember yeah. that. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. Man. But, uh, no, that's good. So, yeah, last we talked, we were talking about, the, like, the internet censorship stuff. And uh, it's it, I'm glad Tur- you brought that up, Turner, because it's funny. And maybe we can use this in as, as a segue into something else to talk about. But. I do, I do think that it's still relevant in terms of, well, just everything that's going on right now. But what has been, you know, like we kind of stopped hearing about it. Yeah. Almost like mm-hmm. the, because the, I remember there was a couple bills that you were talking about and uh, we're working on, you guys, an APP. And uh, um, it almost seemed like right before COVID and then everyone stopped kind of talking about it. Like from a politics, like what I'm trying to say, like, because at the same time, everyone was talking about how they're getting censored for the vaccination and like the misinformation kind of stuff. But we stopped mm-hmm. hearing about stuff that was actually happening in DC with bills and all that. So like, what is the state of, everything right now as far as you're concerned or does that make sense i mean it's yeah yeah no i think it's been a pretty um significant year i think since the last time i was on i can't remember if it was before trump got banned or after um but you know i mean we've you know on section 230 i think the republicans understand that when they take back the house and the senate they're gonna have to pass something that doesn't mean it'll become law. Like we still have a Democrat president. We still have the filibuster in the Senate. So there's a lot of, you know, problems there. But um, I know, you know, this last weekend of March, the uh, House Republicans are getting together for like a policy um, conference type thing. And one of the, the top topics is Section 230 and kind of getting the entire caucus behind one bill. Hmm. So there should be some updates. I would say in April or May on that, where I kind of expect 
McCarthy and Jim Jordan and some of these others to come out with their stuff. And we'll see how good it is. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, but, you know, I think there's been a lot of movement on the antitrust side and a lot of focus on that. And that's been pretty divisive because, uh, you know, Democrats have control of Congress. They're Democrat-led bills. So a lot of Republicans don't like them. Um, they worry that they would empower the wrong people. And so that's kind of been where the focus has been. And, uh, and so I think a lot of Republicans, Republican leaders have been trying to swat those down and they haven't really been focused on actually doing something. Meanwhile, you know, I think that's unfortunate because meanwhile, you know, over the last year, censorship has only gotten way worse. Um, you literally now, I, I got banned for it. Um, I saw Babylon B, uh, just got banned for it. You literally cannot say that Leah Thomas, the swimmer from <laughs> University of Pennsylvania, who is uh, crushing women's sports <laughs> right now, um, bringing South Park parody to life. Uh, <laughs> and um, you can't say that Leah Thomas is a biological male. Like, you can't say that Leah Thomas is a dude. I think that's crazy. Um, but, you know, I, uh, a, a friend of mine, Congressman Jim Banks, got banned for saying uh, that a transgender woman is a male, right? Like, so right. Um, I, I think it's only going to get worse. We're, we're seeing it now with the, <laughs> we'll get into this, I'm sure, but like the, uh, the Uniparty's obsession with going after uh, Russia and, mm -hmm. you know, they're so excited about the mass censorship of Russian media, uh, the mass financial deplatforming of anyone uh, Russian you know, firing uh, composers who are, yeah. uh, or, you know, Russian and, and uh, even Tchaikovsky has been canceled in some, some uh, symphonies. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And I, to me, it's hard for me to look at this, even if, you know, you take at face value that Russia is the clear bad guy we should be rooting for Ukraine. I still worry about that kind of yeah. um, exertion of power because they, they see us as just as evil as Putin. So you know, it's coming for us, Matt. But for the sake of our listeners, can you just just give a real quick overview of what Section 230 is? Because I know a lot of people hear about it, but they don't know what it means or what it is. Sure. So I think, first of all, like the, the thing to think about with Section 230 is this is like perhaps the most important leverage we have over the tech companies. And that's why it comes up is because they want it to remain as it is. And so you know, if we are trying to rein them in, if we're trying to get them to adhere to any sort of First Amendment standard with speech, Section 230 is the way to go. So um, basically, Section 230 was passed in 96, 1996 as part of an anti-porn bill, and it created uh, a liability shield for these tech companies when they removed content. So uh, basically, it was, you know, you can't sue them for removing your porn. And it was trying to, like, help clean up the Internet. It was also, you know, hoping to, to make the Internet a place where you could freely discuss things and, uh, you know, have a digital public square. Um, that was the intent. It's, uh, now it's, you know, become something that really has bolstered the valuation of these near trillion dollar companies. Um, and, you know, I think it's something where we should revisit it. Like if these companies are acting in a way that's hostile towards American values, why are we providing them this ability to just totally you know, dodge any legal culpability. And when I say that, I mean, I'm including things like, you know, if you're a, a victim of sex trafficking and they used Facebook, you don't have the ability to civilly go after Facebook. 
right? Like that's insane. So, um, so I think, you know, when we talk about section 230 reform, we're really trying to rein in these companies and, and give people a chance to sue them. And hopefully what that'll do, you know, what we can do is, okay, we'll give you this immunity, but you have to do A, B, C, and D. And uh, A, B, C, and D hopefully are, you know, saying you can't censor. And so I think that's the goal of, of what the Republicans are trying to accomplish. Okay. that That's a big help because I think that uh, people hear about it, but they don't realize what it means. And so that, I appreciate you, you sharing that. So – uh, as Rosie was saying, to piggyback on that, like what's the most recent that you've been um, kind of sensing? I know you said that at the end of March they have some stuff coming up, but do you think that there's real movement after the midterms that something would happen? Is it worth kind of putting stuff on pause until then, until we might – it looks like we might get control of some of something? No, I think it's an issue that motivates the base. So I think they should be talking about it 24-7. Um, I don't think it hurts us at all. They should be telling the base that they have a bill and they're planning to pass it. Um, it as long as, you know, the Democrats don't stand in our way and we have to elect as many Republicans as possible. Um, you know, I, I think in the, the near term, you know, it has been quiet. Um, and I think a, a big reason for that is that uh, McCarthy, a lot of this is stemming from the House now because McConnell really hasn't led on this issue at all on the Senate side. So you have you know, a few various messaging bills coming from different senators, but it's not organized over there at all. Where on the, uh, they're actually very focused on antitrust too. Where on the House side, um, they don't want to do antitrust. Uh, leadership doesn't. And so they have been focused on 230. So McCarthy came out, I want to say it was about a year ago, and established this tech task force and basically wanted to centralize this process. So instead of having you know, 50 members of Congress introducing their own Section 230 bills and then trying to magically piece all of these together into one, he wants to centralize it and make sure that they can actually come out with one, which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, the only problem with it up to this point, which I, I'm, I, I'm encouraged, I think it's moving in a better direction, but initially, you know, the bills that were coming out of the centralized task force were pretty weak compared to, say, some of the ones we helped you know, right. author, right? So, mm. um, so I think a big part of the last year has been trying to politically pressure them to, uh, to, to be a little bit stronger. I've made some uh, frenemies, I suppose, in that process. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I have seen a big movement where a year ago, their, their idea of Section 230 reform was, you know, requiring these companies to adhere to their own terms of service. Mm -hmm. which I think is like a, a, a do nothing bill. Okay. And now they're all out there talking about, we need to have a first amendment standard online and that's the condition for them getting the immunity. We have to go after that. We have to have a private right of action where we can sue these guys. Like there's a lot of things that we've been saying for several years that we're starting to hear from, you know, kind of milk toast Republicans. And I am really encouraged by that. Yeah. That, <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, yeah, that that is just like the the movement, um, like you said, uh, and maybe it is the the. I mean, it's just the Overton window being pushed. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, um, and I don't I don't know. Maybe we maybe we can can't talk about this or anything like that. But I was thinking of much in the same way that. Um, let's just use over the last uh, year and a half or so. There's a lot of topics. I mean, John catches the brunt of me ranting about how much I hate um, 
conservative media <laughs> and how I hate like everybody. And, uh, but, uh, like the biggest thing, and I swear this will make sense is that we had these guys that were like exactly what you said, like mill toast, like just run of the mill, like not saying anything that was even too controversial for like what right wing stuff they talk. You can't talk about race. You couldn't talk about certain countries' influences, things like that. And uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, there was uh, this big I'm push. So proud by... Of you, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to be uh, cautious around here, but uh, you know, you know, all these things that like we couldn't talk about. That now all of a sudden, you know, there's this kind of whirlwind of like the base like what actual what people actually care about like this trumpism like you know where you know he didn't come out and just say for example like you know immigration is like an issue he came out and he was like mexicans they're bringing all the mexicans that are coming here are rapists and like that's why he got you know like they're bringing drugs or killing people yeah this whole idea uh which is how real americans sounded like you know at the beginning of when he was running that's how, what that's why people voted for him because that's how we talk and then all of a sudden now there's kind of this resurgence of it um especially under biden of you know like the overton window is being shifted and now all these um people are starting to feel a lot more comfortable being able to say stuff that like uh used to be relegated to like you know that's a real star uh, far 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 right you know talking point about you know clamping down, you know, on this kind of stuff. And it's, do you see that in the same way of like with this bill that like now all of a sudden that the, since the tide is shifting so much in the base that like there is going to be this research, you know, like do these, do you think congressmen and senators and maybe I'll open the floor up maybe to move to a different discussion in a little bit, but do you see this ground swelling of people that are actually emboldened and are actually going to bring bills that like do what we want them to do? Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes perfect sense. So first of all, like, and it's funny because I don't think we've ever actually talked about this, but that is exactly how I see political action working. Like I'm always, I actually have a really hard time pronouncing Overton, but I always say (laughs) I use that analogy. Right. So like, um, for an, an example, I'm just kind of giving you an insight on our strategy, but like we endorsed all six of these bipartisan antitrust bills that are predominantly Democrat supported, but they are bipartisan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think they're the perfect bills. I don't think it's necessarily the cure all the speech, but, you know, I think what ends up happening in my conversations with Republican members and with their staffs is, you know, I'll say, yeah, we're endorsing all six of these. Can you get on three of them? Or, you know, we're endorsing all six of these. I understand you don't like antitrust, but what are you going to do on Section 230? And here's some ideas we have. And so I I think that, you know, on the tech issue, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. And then on the social issues, which I think we can get into, but like, that is everything. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, it, it's easy to like kind of bash our uh, generational forefathers, I suppose. But I think for the longest time, the conservative movement was filled with Unix yeah. and like, they basically were unwilling to push the envelope. They just were happy to have a seat at the table. So if leadership told them, hey, we need you to calm down about abortion because abortion doesn't poll well. 
they would just do it, you know, until uh, SBA list finally came around and I think they started to change that. But like, you know, and now I think what's happened is that the activists have really stopped buying into that. And so, you know, someone like Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell, you have to constantly be just an asshole to them. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, you're you're good. You're good. But but you have to you have to constantly be pushing these guys because their comfort zone is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so if they feel the political pressure, um, if they feel like oh you know um, the Republican activists are really upset with us, maybe they won't show up to vote. I, I think that actually does force them. So like we, you know, we're able to do this on the women's sports issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, early to kind of show Republicans like, hey, this is an issue where you can actually talk about the insane transgender agenda and get away with it and not be attacked. And then as soon as they were just starting to get comfortable with this, you know, our organization doubled down. We're like, we need to ban sex changes for kids. What are you doing to talk about that? And I think it gives these guys whiplash a little bit. But like, that's what you have to do if you want to get anything done, where if you just sit, you know, were the good little activists that did what you're told by leadership, We'd still be talking about religious liberty, and frankly, we'd probably have the Equality Act passed into law by now. So, mm-hmm. like, I really think it's as activists, it's okay to be, you know, pushing to 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 the extreme. The other thing, though, is that we do have to recognize that if they come to us at all, you do have to reward them for it too, right? Like, we're playing a game here. So, like, with the Christy Nome fiasco, which for your for your listeners. Christy Nome vetoed a women's sports bill last year. She was totally wrecked by conservative media online. APP was a big part of that. And uh, then at the end of last year in December, she signed a women's sports bill and it was stronger than the one the legislature passed uh, in, in February, the, the, you know, earlier that year. Mm -hmm. So, and then when she does that, you know, yeah, she's kind of a little dishonest. She like pretended that, you know, she was there the whole time and all that, but right. you got to give her the W. And, and so, cause, cause she came to you and she decided that the center, the political center of gravity is where the activists were. Mm-hmm. It isn't, I mean, since I don't, you know, most of our listeners, and in fact, I would say all of our listeners don't have the opportunity to rub shoulders with the same people that you're rubbing shoulders with, but doesn't it just, isn't there anyone that when they look at what's going on, they look at this and go, this is actually insane. Even if it's a political opponent of theirs, that's being suppressed or, or censored or canceled. Don't they think that it's wrong? Like, like, are they admitting, willing to admit that? On the left? Yeah. Um, so there's a few, I mean, I have a few friends that are on the left that I work with on like antitrust and stuff like that. I would say they're not woke but they are by far the minority on that side of things. I mean, if you look at elected officials, every single Democrat elected official, with the exception of maybe like Joe Manchin Mm -hmm. is out there talking about how we need to clamp down on misinformation. And that is like totally 1984 anti-free speech. It's insane, but that's just where we've come. You know, we talk about the Overton window. The left has the same thing and their activists control their party. And they have gone from, liberal in terms of like you know i'll defend your right to say whatever even though i think it's repugnant Mm -hmm. to totally left fascist in like 10 years i mean it really is incredible and so i i mean that's just kind of where we are and i think to be honest with you most republicans maybe not most but like more than half that are uh, house members or or senators i do think they get that I, i i think they get that what what a lot of them are wrestling with and what maybe they're not all the way there on yet 
is that they still have these traditional conservative view of the country, which is built for a liberal society where we can respectfully disagree with our opponents and that's it. It's not built for a society where your opponents want to put you in a gulag. And so I I think that's, that's where um, they're not there yet, but I think we can continue to push them. And there certainly are members of Congress that are there. um, And we have to help them have the political courage to say what's true. Well, I just think it's hilarious because in one sense, they're they're saying like, let's take for instance Hunter's laptop, right? Uh, the New York Post came out and said, oh yeah, it's actually real. It's it it exists. But a year ago, a little over a year ago, it was considered mis and disinformation, and you would be absolutely just crushed for saying it and c- censored and you know kicked off a platform. But yet here we are. We saw the same thing with COVID happening over the last year where you know, all these people were doing research and even doctors and people that were respected in their field were being completely destroyed and removed, their voices silenced. But yet they, it turns out to be absolutely true. Everything they were saying was correct, but they were labeling it misinformation. So how do we combat that? Like, how is this bill going to help the nonsense of that, where it's literally propaganda that's being forced down people's throats and the truth is being suppressed? I, I think we have to create, and maybe Section 230 is the way to do that. Maybe you need to be more aggressive, but I think we have to create some sort of civil right for digital speech. Um, I, I really think that's the only way to do it because because um, they're not going to stop. And it, it's actually gotten to the point where, you know, the misinformation, if it's removed, it's almost more likely to be true than not. Right. right. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's like some examples of like, like, I have no idea what to believe in this Ukraine-Russia thing. I'm sure there's legitimate Russian disinfo that's being sowed on Twitter and all that. And so, yeah, maybe there's a place for it when it's like coming from a foreign entity like China or Russia. And if, if the platforms could figure that out, maybe, you know, but when it's coming from American citizens, like that is not, that is not your job. And, and we right. have to take that job away from them because right now they're just going to you know, usurp it for themselves unless we do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about like YouTube, Google, you know, they own so much and and they can control so much without people even knowing about it. They can control what mm-hmm. you search. So what comes up in your search bar, if you use, you know, Google, they can actually control what you see. And I think there was actually studies that were done that they could actually change people's um, kind of political leanings just by search results, what they would show them and what they would allow them to see. Like there has to be, Mm -hmm. that has to be, how do we stop that? Like there, other than, you know, I understand that Trump started true social. I understand that we have new search engines and we, we have new platforms like rumble and, and, you know, these other, you know, things that are coming out, which I think is great. I think they all need to be out there, but how do you stop what's the existing predominant, you know, I don't care about personally, like our YouTube, like we have a all at war YouTube. It's nothing. It's just our audio and hardly anybody knows about it. If we, they've taken a handful of, of our videos down, uh, I just get a warning and that's it. Um, I don't even care anymore because it's not something that mm-hmm. we actually make money off of or anything like that. But there's people that actually have made a living off of YouTube. And I'm not even talking about political stuff. But it's just, you know, people that have you know an opinion about something. And now they're being deep, you know, deplatformed or demonetized, and it's all because Google's agenda is X, and they're sitting in Y, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I I have a friend who has a podcast, um, and I've been on it a couple times. I actually think I'm more likely to get canceled for that podcast than this one. You guys probably <laughs> need to step it up, but um, but but well, I was gonna say you know, we we introduced could, a private podcast. Yes, uh, I don't know if I told you about that, and uh, I did not know about that. Yeah, okay. Okay. so don't worry. Maybe you can come on that one, and uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. it's complete. actually that would be fun. As long as there's no narc, as long as there's no narc. But, no. Um, yeah. But yeah. But yeah, my friend like started this, it was basically like a conspiracy theory and politics podcast. And he started exploring QAnon as a skeptic, mm-hmm. like as a skeptic, but he had someone on who was a QAnon guy and they had conversations and all that. And, uh, you know, he had built this small business basically from his podcast and, uh, YouTube demonetized it. Right. And, and I, I, they, I think they took down his channel once or twice. I can't remember if he still has it, but like, that's that's just ridiculous. I, the thing about conspir- you know, for the longest time, conspiracy theories were, you know, something we made fun of people yeah. like Rosie for. Like we we <laughs> have the conversation, and we'd be like, "That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard." Go on, you know, because it was fun. And um, but yeah, they've just gotten to the point where they just are obsessed with choking off speech. And so, getting to your point, Turner, like on speech or, or like what our solutions are, um, Google's even trickier because we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, you almost have to have oversight on their private algorithm to know what they're doing. Yeah. That's going to be pretty hard to do. So I think the Section 230 stuff is a good start and it's important. And having a private right of action for people to sue is important. But I really do think antitrust has to be part of this equation, too. And the reality is, why do we all use Google? It's like 92%. And the reason is because Google has all these integrated products. Like, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Like, we use it because, oh, they have Google Maps that goes with Google Search. They have Gmail. They have, um, you know, all these, their ads is integrated with their services, too. And, like, that's why we use it over Bing or DuckDuckGo or any of these other ones. And so I think if you break up the companies and basically force it where if you're a, a information platform, that's what you do. Like, you mm-hmm. can sell ads, maybe. Like, that might be fine. But, like, you don't get to have, like, all these other lines of business that makes people really depend on you and have to be on your site. And if we had 10 Facebooks and 10 Googles and 10 Twitters, like I really think that would take care of the problem because you would, you would ultimately start to see um, people going towards where the speech really is. But in the meantime, we have this problem and and I don't think we're going to fix it overnight. That's for sure. Yeah. And I was going to say that that is an interesting point. Like, um, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever heard about this. It's called um, the dead internet theory. Um, I've not heard of it. So basically, the whole theory is uh, it's rested upon the fact that Google is basically. So first, I'll say this because I, I mean, you guys both know. Maybe listeners too. I'm a huge nerd. I'm a cyber guy. I'm a computer science guy, and uh, I always hate when we people call DuckDuckGo a search engine. And I'm not saying for either of you guys. I just, that's the thing on Twitter. They advertise themselves as a search engine. They're not, DuckDuckGo is not a search engine. And understanding, um, so what DuckDuckGo does is that it basically provides kind of an oversight proxy kind of service that then does Google searches on your behalf, but it tries mm-hmm. to make them neutral. So because it's not personalized to y- y- Turner 
Like if you search for based, something based on my tra- your algorithm and history and all right. that, yeah. But the the thing about Google, which makes it just momentously more, like it's just insane to think, not just effective. It's uh, Google essentially has become the internet, right? Because the the difference between a search engine and like so this will make sense. Startpage.com is its own search engine. So DuckDuckGo. I wouldn't use. I would use Start Page. There's some other Russian ones. I can't remember the name of. Yaza or something like that. Yaza yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that Google actually goes through, and when you use a real search engine, they basically store um, addresses to other web pages, and they call it like crawling and indexing the web. So. Basically, what Google, yeah, indexing insane, is if you think of it as like a, they just have a big address book and it knows when you type in, I want to see Turner's webpage. It goes, oh, we know where Turner's webpage is because we went ahead of, you know, we've already indexed, already it. know the address. Yes. So we're going to bring it up for you. Um, what, and they can, because they're making those links, that if all of a sudden Google decides, I don't want anyone to find out where Turner or John, what their address is or anyone, they just stop listing it. So unless you actually know the phone, you know, for the sake of the, con- the context, if you don't know, if I don't know your phone number and I try to look it up, it's never going to tell me it. Right. And so then I'm going to assume, oh, maybe Turner's dead. I don't know how I'm going to get in touch with him. You know, like he's not, he's not there anymore. This website doesn't exist. So that's the thing about Google is because basically they've indexed what they claim is the entire web that these links are like, they can literally make entire things deleted. And there aren't enough companies out there like start page is a good one but they're they're trying to index their the web themselves but it takes so much processing power it takes so much Money, the scale uh, of yeah. literally going and not manually but you know with algorithms and bots to go and find and make sure that these addresses all line up so i just just want to give that kind of technical overview so that's what's so dangerous mm-hmm. about google is they literally are the backbone of the internet. If you don't know exactly what you are looking for, um, like, like again, if I don't have yeah, your number, right? And well, I've had that same thing happen with like Instagram. I'm looking for a certain person on Instagram, and if you don't know the exact wording of their name, right, it won't come up, right? Yeah. Even though there's like a blue check or whatever, if they don't like them, they'll just you got to get it 100, percent which then you don't need it, right? To search right. for it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I think when you're talking about a company, like when you, that that's this massive scale like that. And then all the other products are integrated within that. Like it really, 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 uh, and that's why we're, you know, still talking, you're still talking about tech censorship stuff. Yeah. You know, it, that's where, like you were talking about the, it's not enough to come with Section 230 because how do you do that against Google that doesn't really host anything on their own? You know, like right. they don't have Google Plus anymore, which is their uh, thing. That's where you have to break up like the like what you're talking about, John, with the antitrust laws. So like under what you're talking about now, this is kind of a question. 
is like would the Google searching and indexing be its completely separate entity that does not like would you do you envision something going so far as like it can't be even owned by Alphabet, you know, like the mother company? It would have to be a completely separate company that's owned by different people that have no interest in one another or something like that or completely independently run from Gmail or, you know, whatever like that. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think that there's anything out there right now that would actually address that. Um, you know, they, they, they focus more on the integration of various businesses. Hmm. Um, and actually, I don't know if antitrust is capable of doing that. Um, right. you know, uh, so, so I, I, you know, that's a tough call. I, I, this is where, like, I think you need antitrust to, to create the, the circumstances where competition can be profitable. And some of that might be a big part of the problem right now with nobody competing against Google. Like you said, like it would take so much processing power, such an investment, and Google's already got everything cornered, they would crush you. So uh, maybe that's a big part of it. I know, you know, we're, we're actually facing this threat, and I'm not an expert on Web3 at all, but I mean, this is what people are worried about with Facebook and, and Web3 is, uh, you know, the metaverse is supposed to be this decentralized thing, mm-hmm. and Facebook is already trying to kind of make sure that they own it. Um, right. which would be really terrible, I think. And yeah. and I'm I'm a huge Web3 skeptic. I have some friends who are like total Web3 nerds who think this is the future. And I just personally, I'm like a boomer on this, but I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's terrible. Like, I don't understand why people would want to do that to themselves by immersing themselves and like, oh, let's just, I mean, I see these ads that Facebook has for Web3 with, for their metaverse. And I just think it's so dystopian and weird. I know. Yeah. But it's, but the kids, you know, the kids have been set up for, I, I am old. The kids have been set up for this with, you know, watching streamers their whole lives and like they're just obsessed with this. So maybe, maybe it can take off. But my point is like, you know, the dream of Web3 is decentralized. I think that's the dream of the internet too. And it mm-hmm. failed. And so, you know, if there's a way legislatively where we can get to where we make sure that that's the case, because they are, all these private companies are using federal resources. Mm-hmm. This all comes from DARPA. So, um, so anyway, I, it's, that's an interesting question, Rosie. I don't, I don't have a good answer, but um, I do think that's concerning. Yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking of this too. Like, do you, you know, I, I was thinking, but like what you said, you know, uh, I don't know if anyone knows this. Maybe here's a. Did you know, the internet as a as a whole was started by the DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. I think is what it is which is the DOD's um, agency that like (laughs) R&D. It's not even, it's not Mm -hmm. even R&D. It's like, we don't even know what we're doing. (laughs) It's basically like, Hey, here's an idea. Just do it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's basically like, okay, how do we make um, like your shoe into a helicopter and you can carry it and it'll like, make it into a helicopter and then like they go to MIT and they're like, Hey, do you think you could turn a shoe makes you invisible and turns into a helicopter? And they're like, I don't know. We should try. And they go, okay, well here's $5 million for two years. Try to figure it out. Yeah. And then they come back and they're like, yeah, we don't know. So they do like all this crazy. And they're like, if they fail, the whole thing is that they they hope that basically if nine fail, one of them succeeds. And then now they're in like, 
groundbreaking territory. And yeah. they're the only people that right. are able to do this stuff. Yeah. So it's weaponized again by the DOD. So the internet was set up. This was, it was created by this. And then they basically just kind of turned it over when they realized the potential for everything. But what I was thinking of is would, do you think that like having some sort of real government agency that is almost in charge of – and I, I was going to say you talked about Cabot earlier. I think it was with him and then we had uh, John Miller. And back then I was skept- – I remember saying specifically, I was like, I don't know what the answer to this is. But I don't know if giving the government the power to control this is a good idea. And I totally, you know, I've changed a lot in, you know, three years or something. And now I'm all about, (laughs) like, centralized power for us, you know, using the might of the government. So do you think that there might be in the future some sort of government agency that we could set up that, like, they are, you know, public servants that are, you know, indexing the web that then allows – um, you know, some sort of like free commons, you know, the, the, the internet that everyone has a right to be listed. They have the right to put their name in a phone book. Like a the library government... of Congress part 2.0 right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. That they are archives. Yeah. And then you would have Google working on top of, you know, the, the standardized government. Like everybody has, index. has to use that index as, as the their, baseline. Yeah. As their, yeah. And you can put your Mm -hmm. algorithms on top of it and say, you know, this is better for this, this is better for whatever, you know, faster. Do you think that that is something that's even feasible? Do you think that that's a good idea? Um, I know it's just kind of half-assed in my head right now, but. No, I actually think it's pretty smart. Um, So I'm trying to think of how you could get conservatives to go for it. So I think, number one, it would have to be established with an act of Congress and have very explicit powers, right? Like, so um, in, in many ways, like it almost makes sense to do this. Is it, we have the Federal Trade Commission and the Federal Communications Commission mm-hmm. kind of volley back and forth over who has oversight over the internet. And I think in a lot of ways, it would make sense to have a new bureaucracy. Of course, when you say that, that sounds really scary. So I think like, <laughs> what it would have to be is, is where it has an explicit set of rules where it's almost like defending the civil rights of individuals. Right. And so that civil rights not being the right to not be offended, but the right to, um, you know, have a domain to uh, not be, uh, you know, shut down by the uh, underlying server space, the Amazon web services of the world, Um, you know, those types of things. And so I find that really interesting. And I think you could have, it would almost be like a law enforcement agent. Um, But I think that that, that makes sense. I don't think it's really at all. And I haven't heard of it either, Rosie. So I mean, it's off the top of your head. It's a good idea, but it's a bad idea. I, I don't want our enemies having access so freely to information to be able to get into that. Um, what do you mean? Like that archive of everybody's web address and all that stuff. I don't necessarily want them having access. Uh, there's just something I think about. They already it. have access through Google. I'm yeah, not sure. I mean, there's still a little bit of protection there, but I don't know. I, I just think there might be a national security thing there. We might have to do levels of that archive where tiers of privacy or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I but don't I do follow. believe. I, all right. Well, maybe somebody that's listening understands what I'm saying. <laughs> but I do believe that the antitrust breaking up these big companies, like the fact that Google has like you know 85 percent of the internet, 
they need to be broken up because then it it competition creates better product ultimately, you know. Um, yeah, I was gonna. Oh. <laughs> One of the boys. He agrees. Sorry, you're good. You're uh, good. He agrees. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was going to say, uh, much in the same way uh, that I was, you brought up a great point um, about uh, Amazon Web Services. Like there's, uh, I want to say it was like a, I want to say it was during COVID because everyone got extra pissed off that it happened during COVID when everyone was like during lockdown. Oh. Was that like 70% of like the top, I think it was like 70 of the top 100 websites went down. Uh, it was like Netflix, Twitter, <laughs> uh, Amazon Prime Video, you know, like uh, Hulu, all these, all these websites went down because they all used AWS, uh, Amazon Web Services to actually run, host, their stuff. host everything. Yeah. And uh, I know that there was recently, I want to say within the last five years, a bill that the federal government, uh, which is kind of scary. I don't know if people know this or not. Uh, Amazon Web Services, as the government uses a ridiculous amount of yeah. uh, AWS, like, I don't want to say Huge classified and yeah. unclassified, but they have a lot of information stored in data centers that are on Amazon webs on Amazon's web servers. And um, at the same time, do you think that, uh, and so the federal government had, had this issue where Amazon was basically the top dog. They were the biggest ones and they were going to win like some big contract. I think it was called the Jedi pro contract, if I remember correctly. And they actually had to, uh, I think Microsoft sued to be able to be let in because it was uh, monopolizing, basically. They made the case because Microsoft has their own web server, web services. Mm -hmm. So do you think- Azure, yeah. Azure, yeah. And then Google has their own, which no one really talks about. And then I think the other one, the big one is not big in comparison, but uh, Oracle. So do you see mm -hmm. like, um, is there any movement or anything on looking at AWS, uh, particularly much for the same reason that Google, you know, kind of controls the, uh, I don't want to say the apps or everything like that, but the, the, the services that we use for like mail, you know, Gmail, a lot of people use Gmail because it's free. Uh, Google Maps, you know, these kind of other things that lie on top of uh, services like that. Is there anything for breaking up someone like Amazon that like, uh, I'll just say this, you know, the web, there's a, <laughs> a close location that if, you know, a uh, enemy, I think of this, like if an enemy knew where all the Amazon web services uh, data centers are and they dropped an EMP right over it, it would knock out, you know, 70% of the internet right away, including the federal government's. Is there anything looking into like Amazon as being an antitrust or anything or uh, censoring conservatives pulling, you know, like uh, Gab's uh, AWS access, things like that? Is there anything going on on kind of more the back end with someone like Amazon? Does that make sense? I'm sorry that was rambling, but. Yeah, no, that, that, that perfectly makes sense. So I think. You know, right off the bat, Amazon still funds a lot of these Republicans. And I think a lot of Republicans um, haven't quite understood the threat that they pose. Uh, you know, Democrats see Amazon. And when they think of antitrust, 
an anti-competitive behavior. They're thinking a lot of their consumer products. Right. Um, you know, I think I think conservatives their familiarity with Amazon being a threat is twofold. It's you know them pulling Ryan Anderson's book a year ago mm-hmm. um, and censoring it because of transgender or whatever, and then uh, you know they they pulled Parler. Right. Like, so they, they, their web services shut down Parler yeah. and then the app stores pulled Parler and that was pretty much it for Parler. It destroyed the, the, the you know, it was having a moment and then it dies. Right? Mm-hmm. And, um, so no is the answer. Like, I don't think Republicans are there yet and they haven't figured out the threat it poses. The other thing is that AWS, even though it has, I've, I've heard the same thing, um, as like a national security concern that AWS has almost like a monopoly on government stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still, I think only like 30% of the market. Hmm. Um, and so I don't, I think a lot of people of the, uh, cloud hosting market. So I think, sure. uh, a lot of people are still not considering them, you know, worthy of, of antitrust scrutiny at that level. And there's also like, you know, there, there's some good competitors that are coming out like right forge is a conservative competitor and they're building up their server capacity. And, you know, I know they're hosting uh, Trump social. So, oh, you know, nice. I, I do think like, I'm with you. Like, I, I, I think it's like something we should absolutely do, but I think that, you know, for Republicans to get there, they're, they're going to have to see an immediate need to, you know, invoke the Leviathan of, of big government. And I, I, I don't think they're there yet on Amazon. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Truth Social? What do you think about that, man? <laughs> I want it to work, guys. Like, I'm I'm a big fan of trying the competition, and if if the bad guys squelch you, like, I mean, at least it gives me more ammo. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I I I have the platform. I'm on it, and it's just a Twitter clone, and it's like a not it's not as functional yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm a little disappointed with it right now. Like, I. I want to use it. Like I've tried to force myself to post there, but like it's not easy to search or interact yet. And so it's just missing a lot of what makes Twitter addicting and great. And so I, I, I think they can improve it still, but um, I'm, I'm skeptical. The president is apparently skeptical too, because I think he's posted there once. So <laughs> That doesn't fare too well. That's for, hilarious, uh, man. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Cause is it, is it still invite only? Or I think it's still beta. It's still beta, but okay. like I think most most of the people now who were on a waiting list are on. Okay. And so it's it's just a matter of like you know I think they're soft launching and they haven't done a hard launch yet. But but I mean all these problems still exist. I, look, I have friends who are over there. I don't want to you know disparage it. Mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to do is good. It's, but I mean just to be honest, like they do need to have something unique from Twitter too. Um, you know, just calling tweets truths right. and right. retruthing things like, that's, <laughs> oh like that's not, that's not, you know, this, and so <laughs> retruthing. Oh my God. I'm cringing so, I, that's, so that's hard. That's kind of my, yeah. You know what it reminds me of? You know, it even says posting your truth you, oh, when you do it. Like it reminds me of like how, like, I don't know if you've ever seen like Christian t-shirts whenever they like try and do like a a playoff of like Harley Davidson. It's like, Holy David's son, you know, and like, <laughs> um, and it looks like yep. the same logo yep. and everything. That's what it feels like to me when you're describing this, you know? Yeah. And uh, no, that is exactly, that's a really good cop. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's, what's like very, uh, I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. Like the, uh, the, 
the whole like fun or why I was so addicted to Twitter was just being able to, well, it wasn't fun at the end because no one saw my tweets because I was black <laughs> shadow banned. But I used to enjoy like um, seeing all the leftists. Like I don't like I, I live in an echo chamber. I am happy to admit it. I don't care. I don't like, you know, as far as all my friends believe on the same side as me, um, I ingest other media that is from the other side, but I don't want to, to interact with anyone in my life that, right. you know, believes differently because we just don't get along. But I mean, that's one of the <laughs> things of like, you know, if everyone's just like, I, I've had a Gab account early, you know, and, it, and it, it's not fun because all it is is like people, you can't dunk on anyone, you know, right. like that's, the, all... there's no interacting. There's no like actually pissing off you know, the people with all their pronouns and their bios and stuff like that, or, you know, uh, being able to, you know, make fun of blue checks and stuff like that. And uh, so I think that, like what you said, it's important that, like, we are out there, we, the collective right wing, is out there trying to make our own kind of products. But at the end, we don't really want that. Like, I was going to say, Gab's really good for, like, finding niche things on the right that I'm interested in and hearing from opinions of people that are not allowed to be anywhere else. Yeah. And that's the only place I can find Rumble's it. like mm -hmm. that too. With right. Rumble stuff. like yeah. that. But yeah. I'm not going there to, you know, I, I just interact. go there when, yeah, to interact. And um, that doesn't help us. Like that doesn't. Well, uh, the other thing too is you've invested, but people have invested years in gathering group, you know, quote unquote followers or whatever, yeah. and following people they want to gain, you know, glean from or whatever. And you got to start over from the beginning again. And you can't just transfer right. everybody over. Like, yeah. you know, that's hard. That I think one of them tried to do that. Like one I think probably parlor. Yeah. They tried to like make your, all of your Twitter followers that were available, like avail following. It's, it's such a stupid yeah. It was weird. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, so it's like a whole starting over. I do like the competition side of it, though. I like the competitive side of it. I think that's going to help it because if if something does get traction and then it pulls away, like say Rumble, for instance, takes away from YouTube in a massive way. You know, we, we know that YouTube is underwritten by Google every year. It loses money mm -hmm. technically. So what if what if something like Rumble actually starts to turn a corner, gather more and more users, and actually is profitable – uh, it, that's a good that's a good thing for everybody because now it creates competitiveness and it helps out. Um, but but to get that traction is really hard. It's you know YouTube's unique. Yeah, in that way. you, you got to create a product that uh, makes normies want to go there, mm -hmm. like and not not political normies. So like you know a big portion of why Twitter's great. I'm a big sports ball guy. Mm. Twitter is amazing for sports. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's like, honestly what it was built for is like watching a game that's like a really great basketball game and seeing all these interactions of all that. It's also great for like niche communities, like the Bitcoin community and like things like that. And I, I, right now I just don't see truth like having that appeal, anything but a political appeal to anyone mm -hmm. because it is quite quite obviously like a worse version of Twitter. So you almost have to like invest in it and hope it becomes good. And the only people who are going to do that are, are, are MAGA people. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, I look, it, it's hard to do. Like, I mean, let's not forget 
you know, uh, Google tried to get in the social media market mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago with Google Plus, and it was a total failure, even though they have all this product integration across the board. Um, people just didn't like the product. And so, so you have to, you know, it's not going to be easy to make this work. And, um, you know, I hope we can. But in the meantime, like we have to recognize where the digital public square is and be willing to, you know, have some government oversight over it if, if uh, our people are being totally shut out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think you were talking, we talked a little bit about like the, the metaverse and touching on that, which is just such a whole other can of worms. Um, and, uh, you know, moving more, maybe more towards uh, like the decentralization of everything uh, in terms of, you know, like uh, the blockchain moving uh, communities or entire services. Um, and uh, I'm super stoked now that like, you know, you're on the crypto gang now and uh, like, you know, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but do you see, uh, and actually I don't want to harbor the conversation, but uh, for people that may not be aware, a real brief oversight of the difference between this um is, you know, we had talked about how the internet, uh, as it was started by DARPA, as DARPAnet, ARPANET back in the day, basically our internet right now in a very simple way is there is one computer with cables talking to another computer. That's how it started out, that they were directly communicating. And then they started adding um, centralized, uh, if you think of like, you know, you have two computers, uh-huh. yeah, a hub where that can store the data and then like all the people, kind of like a, 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 the center spoke on a tire that all the computers are now accessing this one particular place, right? So if you think of that as like a server, right? So it's still centralized in the sense of you have these big centralized, and this is what AWS has. They have these big servers that centralize everything. So moving towards... Uh, and it, the problem with the internet when it was set up was they did not, I think probably smart people could have seen the scope of where it is um, in terms of how, you know, I I don't, I'll say this. I don't even think that like the most progressive in the sense of forward looking people could see how invasive and uh, widespread the internet is into literally every single aspect of our life. You know, like, you have uh, toasters now set up on, you know, the, literally the internet that have their own Wi-Fi cards and they have their own MAC addresses and all these things. So what we've been doing with the current internet is just adding things on top of this uh, very basic network uh, structure, which is inherently insecure. And it's so mm-hmm. it's it's like a if we have a door that doesn't have a lock, right? We're going to put, and instead of going back and building a door that has a better lock, we're just going to put a whole bunch of things that make sure that you can't actually get to the door. That's If you kind mm-hmm. of think of it, that's how computer internet security is. We're just putting things on top of something that is inherently insecure and does not work. So the blockchain, mm-hmm. the centraliz- decentralization is, at, you know, there is no one... Um, central body where everyone goes to 
uh, store the information, like an AWS server that could get knocked out and lose all the inter- information. So do you think that, like, are you on the decentralized chain of, I was going to say, and in decentralization, there, there is inherent security um, that it, it's, you would have to have alien technology that could break these algorithms <laughs> because you basically have to um, out-compute every single computer that's running that thing. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. I, I think this is not coming off as the best ex- explanation if you don't understand no, it because so, it's. So, I mean, not to you, but I mean to anyone listening. Uh, I'm sorry, but so I have a I, I have a very normy way of of talking about this, and I think it's kind of similar to what you just said. So I don't mean to, but like I refer to it as like maps. So right now we pretty much you know we all have our own address, and if you know where your friend lives, you can go there by yourself. Um, but if you want to get anywhere, you depend on someone to tell you what the map is. And that's what Google and, and AWS and all these different, you know, centralized, uh, places do. They basically like show you the map. But as part of that, they also get to determine what the map is. And the libertarians and all that argue that that's fine because competition will take care of it. Like if you know Amazon has a bad map, they'll use somebody else. But mm-hmm. I just don't think that's really how it works in practice. Like what works in practice is you don't know you're getting a bad map. And so you just, Oh, I guess my friend doesn't, it's like what you said, my friend doesn't exist anymore. Um, and decentralization basically is where we're all, instead of connecting to that one hub, we're all connecting to each other and we all have the map. And so the only way that you could hack the map is if you, you know, basically, uh, hacked 50% of the world, 50% plus one of the world's computers. And then, and told it, actually, this is the new map. And that's, as you said, like pretty impossible to do. So like, this is the beauty of decentralization. And I really do think it's the future. I don't know if it'll go as far as, you know, web three being like this metaverse we're all immersed in where it's like a three dimensional, like, I don't know about that, but I do think the future of the internet, people are going to want this more and crypto kind of leads the way is no, I want, I want to, you know, be able to see really what the map is, not depend on these, you know, trillion dollar corporations that have all sorts of incentives to lie to me to tell me what it is and just hope they're right. Yeah. Do you see any, uh, yeah, sorry. That's a great explanation, much better than I think what I gave, but the, uh, that, that, that was all this leading up to ask is, do you see any bills on the forefront, um, uh, are is anyone in Congress even considering the power of decentralization when it comes to uh, not even the internet as a whole, just censorship? Uh, you know, we we've been hearing a lot of stuff about uh, put it, you know, put it on the blockchain and uh, you know, mm-hmm. put something like that. Do you see any big legislation? Because I know Biden just uh, signed that. I think it was an executive order ordering basically, what was it, the SEC to actually do some research into cryptocurrency as a whole. And cryptocurrency is related, but also not related uh, for the sense of how we're talking about it with big tech censorship. Um, Are there any bills or um, people, members of Congress in either house that are even considering the possibility of decentralization for any of these issues that we've talked about? Yeah. So they're thinking about it, not quite in terms of the actual internet infrastructure itself, but Mm -hmm. in terms of say data. 
So there are um, interoperability bills, one of the antitrust bills and the uh, suite of bipartisan antitrust bills that came out of the House Judiciary Committee is a interoperability bill where basically, you know, you have to, uh, Twitter has to be give up its data of you so you can plug and play into other, um, you know, uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good step. Um, but you know, you're, you're still kind of relying on them and trust and you almost have to use like mm-hmm. government resources on consumer protection to make sure they're actually doing this, right? Like it's not truly decentralized. Um, so I, I think that that's a start, but part of it is I just don't think, um, we're in such a early version of what we like the decentralization is the future. You, you know, this, yeah. Steven, like you are all bought in on this, but like, <laughs> I think this is kind of like 1993 in terms of like what the decentralization boom is going to be like. And so um, I just don't think Congress is anywhere near understanding it. And then once they do understand it, they're going to be so freaked out by it because it gives the power to people (laughs) in a way that they probably are not comfortable with. Mm. Which is sad, which is really sad. But, you know, I see when you're talking about centralized and decentralized, and then um, we had mentioned before we started recording, we were talking about podcasting Mm 2.0, and I mentioned that it was it was federated servers. Basically, what federated servers are is it's it's decentralized servers that work together. Mm -hmm. So they create a network within themselves. So if I want Mm -hmm. somebody in my network, I can attach myself to them and we can attach ourselves to each other, but they can't censor me. And if I don't want them, I just cut them off and, and they can go on their own way. And it doesn't, it's not the same as censorship. So if you Mm want to have a place on the internet where there's things that would be quote unquote misinformation as they would label it now, you can do that safely because if you want to find it, you can find it. And, and it's, Mm -hmm. it is where it is and it can't be touched and it can't be shut down. I think that has to be where we need to move towards. And that is, you're exactly right. It will scare governments because let's face it, governments love control. Even, Mm -hmm. even the most conservative governments love control, you know, and we're all conservatives here. But I think that, uh, this federated, uh, server systems and the way that they're, they're moving to with blockchain, you're right. It is good. It's going to be interesting to see how some of these really um, what I would call tyrannical governments like Australia or now Canada, for instance, how they're going to handle some of that. I mean, when you saw what happened with Canada after the trucker rally with literally taking uh, money that was given and holding that money and taking it away from them and then freezing bank accounts, like I don't think I've Mm -hmm. ever seen anything like that happen before. And we have to guard from that being able to happen again. Like, we cannot let that happen here in the States. It, it, they're going to try for sure, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, my my opinion on that, to be honest, is that decentralization actually can't save us from fascism or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, I mean, it can, it can help you by hiding your assets or whatever, but they can still, like, hold your family, you know, at the point of a gun. What are you going right. to do, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so, like... I, I still think when we look at like what happened in Canada, while I see Bitcoin as like, you know, an important thing to guard against that, I suppose, um, you know, the reality is that people are going to have to rise up if that happens here. And, um, and you know, what I love to see in Canada is that um, they did rise up and they rose up peacefully because what the, what the left wanted there, what Justin Trudeau wanted was uh, uh, to, to do a January 6th, right? Like they wanted yeah. to, Yep. to script this out. They wanted one person 
to be, you know, to, to lose their, their, their shit. And, and, and that would be it. And then the whole thing would be invalidated. And so I think it was so disciplined of the truckers to, to make it a peaceful protest. I think they had a huge effect, but we're, we're going to have that problem. And I mean, I think once, I don't think it can happen here. I, I really think that we can, um, the, the American people are strong enough. We're seeing right now, like the resistance to what the woke people are doing. Um, I do think there's going to be a pushback against this and we'll see if democracy is strong enough to kind of triumph over it. But like, I mean, we are going to have to really wrestle with what we're willing to do to protect liberty. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't, I don't think the American people have even come close to thinking about that yet because we're still such a prosperous nation and still, at least compared to the rest of the world, a relatively free nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the woke, you know, what you were talking about earlier, the woke um, kind of culture that we have that's, for whatever reason, um, I, I, I've and I've yet to meet somebody that will admit to being woke. Like, <laughs> I guess it's like some, I guess it's like somebody who's commun- communist back in the '60s, you know, right? Mm. Like they they they're hesitant to, to admit that they actually are woke, but yet they have these belief ideologies and worldviews that are completely in that woke, you know. Um, speaking of that, the best oh, I saw the best tweet. They called this uh, guy, this swimmer guy that we were talking about earlier. Um, I forget his name, but they called him Propeller Penis. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the best cut down ever. It just helped him. <laughs> yeah, just, that's what made him win. But uh, by the way, I saw some other thing. I don't know how true this is or not because I couldn't, couldn't quote unquote fact check it. But uh, it was basically he's ranked like 400th or something like that uh, oh, yeah. in men's. But he's like, that was true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I believed it, but I just didn't know if it was true or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I, no, I, I mean, I think that I do think he's trans or, well, I, first of all, that's not a thing. But second of all, I do think he thinks right. he is, you know, a girl. I, I, I think it would, I don't think we've gotten to the point in our culture where a dude is literally like concocting like, man, you know, if I just do this in public, like I could be a dude in private, but if I just do this in public, it could really pay off for me. No. I don't think we're there yet. I do. Um, I think we are there. I do think we are there. We, I do. The Juana Man thing happened. So that, you remember that movie, Juana yeah. Man? <laughs> yeah. Where the guy, the guy decides, wait, I could go dominate women's basketball. Right. Um, I think when we see that happen, then, you know, it'll be interesting. But, but look, the problem is this, like there's, this is a, this transgender movement is growing radically. Like it's a social contagion, especially to girls, to young girls. Um, so like with the sports stuff and all those, you know, it's, I think it's, um, you, you see the, the men transitioning to women and that's like more, you know, something that we, we can in our minds, like be like, Oh, this is really bad and outrageous. But like, if you look at the numbers, like it's predominantly young girls who are getting caught up in this transgender, um, phenomenon, and then, you know, they're going in, they're getting puberty blockers, uh, cross-sex yeah. hormones, they're getting their breasts hacked off mm-hmm. um, as, you know, 13-year-olds, right? Like, so that's, I, I think that's where, um, I mean, you know, this whole thing could be a, its own podcast, but like, yeah. that's where we really have to be, be thinking. Um, the Leah Thomas thing, while I'm, I'm glad it's happening because it does show the absurdity of gender ideology, like, I don't think it shows the seriousness of the threat it poses to our kids. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and we should just ban TikTok for that. So, one hundred percent. CCP. It, it's it's insane that we allowed it. Trump tried, and then he the administrative state wouldn't let him do it. So yeah. we really should. Like that's a no brainer. 
Leah Leah Tom Thompson is that the swimmer's name? Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, yeah I heard uh, the interview after he won the the race, and he doesn't even try though. I know you think he's real about it, but he doesn't even try. She's like, the the, the lady was like, so how does it feel to? Well, the, the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she was like, how's it feel to win? Did you, what'd you think about when you were coming into the race today? And he's like, well, I didn't really think much about it. Um, you know, I just wanted to have a good, you know, good set running, you know, or whatever swimming. And, uh, and he literally didn't even try. I was just like, oh, come on. Yeah. Man. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. It's, uh, I, I saw, um, the the copes that like some of these guys are just posting on uh on posted on Twitter. Someone uh it wasn't on Twitter, didn't see it on Twitter, but someone shared a tweet where it's like this guy and he's probably I don't know, six two. <laughs> like, you know, like he's a pretty solid dude. He was probably uh I don't know, one ninety, two hundred, you know, a little he had some meat on his bones. He was in like a. He was like, oh yeah, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he, like next to him is this uh, girl who looks like she's like five two, like ninety pounds. <laughs> I, I know where this is going. You see that? And he no. was like, he was like, I'm a purple belt, and you know I can handle my own. You know, like no problem with you know fighting against guys my size. But this girl just kicked the crap out of me. You know, like blah blah blah. And like even I saw people with literally like, but was it for real though? No, he was hundred percent serious. Yeah. Yeah. And all these people, it's it's kind of funny to see, like, you know, it, it's easy to look at swimming and you go, okay, you know, they're not hurting, uh, you know, like a, a guy's going to, you know, easily beat the, out the this. physical, right, yeah. Yeah, but it's, or even basketball, like a woman can, you know, th- there can be women who are really quick, really agile and can shoot threes all day on guys, you know, they can move around. I can yeah. see it happening, but I cannot see some five foot two, you know, 90 pound chick. Who, and she's dressed like a chick, like take out some <laughs> dude Six, that's two three, levels yeah. below, you know, two yeah. levels higher in uh, Brazilian jujitsu. And uh, it was nice to see like even people, uh, you know, like they posted some of the comments. It was like one of those videos where it like, you know, zoomed up and then went through and was clicking on people's names. And there's people that are like, listen, I'm all with tranny stuff, but like, dude, she did not beat you up. Like, <laughs> you know, like all this stuff. I just can't stand. So there, it's cool to see uh, some of these people are just going so over the, the top to try to, uh, appease, appease, yeah. cope with it. Yeah. But yeah. I was going to say maybe well, um, it, it's, good. It, it's so funny because like, People, it, and I've debated so many people about this online, but they'll they'll come at me like, you know, I'll, we had an ad where we were showing the uh, yeah. the girls racing against the boy, right? <laughs> and you know, people came at me and they're like, "I guarantee you, you know, my daughter could outrun you." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I run like a 13 minute mile. Like, yeah, that's probably <laughs> true." Um, but you know, the 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 thing about all athletics, and it's literally all of them is the outer ranges, the left side of the, the bell curve. Like, men just go so much further. It's not fair. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it, there, I, I can't think of a single sport where a woman would have, you know, an advantage. And and by the way, like, I'm not, this is cancelable. You're not allowed to say this. But that goes for IQ, too. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know? And so, like, oh it, it's just like one of those things where, like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it, but it is true. It is mm-hmm. 
Oh. <laughs> it is. <laughs> there you go. That's my, that's my, uh, I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> You're with me. There, there, I've got you, John. I, I got you in public. I, got, <laughs> I was going to say, I got you in, in the private, in, in our text and all that. But uh, now I got you in public. Um, <laughs> I guess maybe to end, what, uh, what do you see? Because um, I think you know where I, I'm going to go with uh, 2024. Is I still think I don't think Trump's. I've said it before. I don't think Trump's going to run again. Um, I think DeSantis. It, it seems like they're doing that. But again, I've been uh, out of politics, other than you know the group chats and everything with all my all you guys keeping me up to date. Um, what do you see? Uh, I guess first of all. What do you see the midterms? Do you see us just the or you know a red uh, wave? Do you see us taking the House and the Cong- Senate? And um, do you see what do you see for twenty twenty four? Yeah, I'm an optimist, but I mean the data we've been seeing so far is just so good; it's it's insane. Um, I I think we'll probably. I mean, we we kind of got beat on gerrymandering, which was kind of annoying. Yeah. Everyone thought that Republicans would win, and then the courts were just like, no. Yeah, <laughs> that was stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I still think we're going to get like 40 seats in the House, which would be a huge majority. And then I, I looking at the Senate map, I mean, it's kind of an even year mm-hmm. um, in terms of which seats are up. But I, I think we could take three, four seats. I, I really think it's possible mm-hmm. in a in a Republican wave year. So, um, you know, look, we got to can't take anything for granted. Like a lot could happen. Uh, Republicans can still screw this up and they're trying right now with the Ukraine yeah. stuff. Like, Oh, you know, Biden's literally bad on every issue. So let's try to run up, run hawkish, more hawkish than him when the right. American people are not interested in that. Um, great. Uh, but, but, you know, so we could still screw it up, but I'm, I'm pretty encouraged. I think the, the Virginia race is just the yeah. tip of the iceberg um, of what could happen. And I think as you know, when, when the Virginia race happened, inflation was, was bad, but it wasn't where it is now. It wasn't insane yet. Gas mm-hmm. prices were still on the threes. Um, yeah. Might have even been the high twos at that point. So, yeah. um, so I think I think it's going to be a, a bloodbath for Democrats. That's my hope, anyway. Nice. And what about twenty twenty four? I was going to say I agree too. That was kind of I, I viewed that as almost like a softball. Like, yeah, we're going to take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty twenty four. Look, I I don't think it's uh, a sure thing that Trump isn't running. Um, I, I think he, I, I'd say 75% chance he does run. Mm-hmm. And so then the question is, do people primary him? Mm-hmm. And do they try, you know, we know there's going to be people primarying him from the left that are going to embarrass themselves and it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I, the question is, does Ron DeSantis primary him? And uh, he probably wouldn't, but I, I think if he did, there's not, it's not impossible for him to win, right? Like, yeah. it, it, I think it, there's a scenario where he runs and is like, Trump was great, Trump was great, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm young. I have energy. And I could see that taking over, um, especially if Trump doesn't handle it very well. But, right. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, Trump is seriously the most gifted politician we've seen in our lifetimes, probably. Maybe, I mean, I'm not old enough to remember Reagan. Um and so I, I just, I think 
it's likely that he runs. And I and I, I don't buy the conventional wisdom. Like I think Trump could beat the tar out of Biden in a rematch. I, I don't think it would be. Yeah. You, but of course, you know that the the institutions and the left would go all out to steal it, oh, just like yeah. they did last time. Hundred percent. So, well, that's um, the bigger you know, concern. To- that's the bigger concern. Like we, I felt like Trump did win the last election. Personally, <laughs> I felt like it was a successful win, but it was robbed. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of people that are feeling like, you know, this is this is still an unsafe situation for for us if he does run again. And they would still probably try and do it even if DeSantis ran because he's just as much hated right now. They'd have to find new ways. I guarantee you, though, that the uh, – I mean, the, 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 what, what the thing that they had been doing – with the mail-in was the big thing. The mail-in, well, and the the, the systems literally changing votes and right, all that. Right, right. Uh, is that has been going on, and this was kind of an out. John, you made a great point about just Trump being Trump. Is uh, the the reason nobody? Because we've been using these this, the voting machines uh, for like <laughs> over ten seven, years. No, like earlier than that, longer than that. They didn't have computer voting machines in the 70s. And I remember <clears throat> my first election was for Bush and uh, Junior, and uh, they had a it was a digital machine. Oh, well. Yeah, I think they I, I think they were talking about the Diebold machines in 2000 when W. Bush won. Yeah, because um, Chad. So they've had them at least that time, that long. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry, uh, I was going to say the the. My yeah, old age electronic served ones. me well for for once. Well, George, uh, I, I hate to say this to you, maybe you pulled a senior moment. The uh, George Bush didn't Junior <laughs> didn't run in the seventies. No, no, I, I'm just I giving. Was, I'll give you a hard time. No, no, I know he didn't um, run in the seventies. But. but I mean, that was the whole thing. What they had these the algorithms that were changed and these purely electronic systems yeah, yeah. versus they Online. they didn't have hanging chads back in. Uh, right. You can't have a hanging chad if there's nothing to actually punch through it. Right. Um, but, uh, I was going to say that the reason that these machines that have been used for decades, um, were never caught before. No one cared about this was because it wasn't Trump and because, uh, I don't know if anyone didn't figure, figure this out. Republicans like this, these (laughs) systems in place were used, I guarantee in local elections, in, uh, county elections, in, School board. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe on school board. Yeah. I mean, local, but like state, you know, there are Republicans out there that this was, they did not talk about because they know that this helped them get into office. And so it was kind of an unspoken thing that everyone just kind of yeah. lets it go and we're going to just control it. Yeah. So now the problem is they're going to, now everyone is going to be checking all the things, basically uh, everything that happened last time. All the systems that are in place, yeah, yeah. they're not going to be able to do it. But they are working on new ways to change it. So right. it's going to bring a whole new level of scrutiny that they're going to come out with some have to, wacky yeah. stuff. I still think, too, that there's a possibility that there will be some states that will decertify. And it could be cause a whole bunch of controversy here leading up. Um, For sure. I think For that, sure. That, you know, yeah. Wisconsin might turn it. You know, I don't know. But if that happened, that would be crazy. Because he's been in for a year, right? Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing with the left is with that election, they were totally prepared for a binary outcome. One being where Trump won, and they did a January sixth 
right? Mm-hmm. And the other being where Biden won and they acted like they were the stalwarts of democracy and any criticism of the results was, you know, anti-democratic. Like they, this is what they do on every issue. It's yeah. so insanely yeah. Machiavellian. Like they just literally will just take whatever side is, is convenient for them and then make the most passionate process argument. <laughs> and Republicans have fallen have fallen for it for so long and it's just like get over it like like the the election you know i i don't think steven like unfortunately i was disappointed with the um the trump lawyers because i don't think they proved uh enough of the like legit cheating um that i'm sure absolutely took place but we couldn't prove it Mm -hmm. but like the legal cheating that took place i mean we're talking about millions and millions of votes and that that's where, like, I just look back at it, and this, I guess, this is what gives me hope, but I don't know how we, we stop the cheating again. Hopefully, these bills from the states help, but, like, Trump got so many votes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like he, at, at, at the end of the day, like, maybe we lost because of COVID or whatever, but, like, he was a successful president, and the American people affirmed that, and unfortunately, you know, Biden found 81 million, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> he harvested somehow <laughs> 81 yeah. million. But yeah, I think the voter ID would be a big thing and stop the mail-in voting. The the mail-in ballots are just that's that's just such. Yeah, a, and re- re- mm-hmm. Republicans need to go hard on this and just say, you know what? Stop with the early voting. Like this mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Vote on election day. That's what the founders intended. Like you shouldn't have 30 days to vote. You right. can't. You know, I'm fine making it a national holiday or whatever, so there's no excuse. Yeah, but like, but like, you, it's like 13 hours or 15 hours that the polls are open. You can go find time to vote. Like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah, for real. But you know, the Kraken is being released, so it's all going to change, John. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, when you when you were talking, still happening, right? Right. It is. Trust the plan, baby. I, I hey, I have been trusting. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I have a source that was telling me about uh, some ankle monitors and uh, <laughs> some uh, military tribunals you guys don't even know about. Oh, they've and, been happening uh, in dumps in, in deep in under the, underground bases. Yeah, and military the, bases. Yeah, people have been executed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. As long as as long as we get the pedophiles, Stephen, I'm on board. Yes. Yeah. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Get the pedophile. You don't even understand, John. The hat that Stephen's wearing right now is shoot your local pedophile, and it looks like a police badge. <laughs> it's amazing. Do you, did you not? Have you not I, seen I it? I think I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we don't advocate vigilante uh, justice in any way, but um, but that's his hat. No, I, but if you did it, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just gonna say. Yeah, I. <laughs> Uh, Rose, uh, Stephen Rosie, aka Rosie, uh, do, um, I do not say that anyone should do it because we live in a society that is run by Satan (laughs) and we are in a fallen world. In a perfect world, you would be able to do that and it would be legal and righteous to do so. But since we live in a satanic, pedophile, ruled world, you cannot do that. So That's do right. not do that. The lizards don't want to be shot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say uh, we can't let God do all the work and it's his job to judge them. It's oh our my. job to make sure that uh, – They make the appointment. They make the appointment. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, uh, this is all in Minecraft. You know, right, if you come up course. against some griefers. Yeah, of course. Okay. Right. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah. own a gun, so I'm scared of bullets. So Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well, John, it's been awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, all, of our get, all of our listeners, you can, you can find John again on – on Twitter, he's at John Schweppe, and it's J-O-N-S-C-H-W-E-P-P-E. And uh, he's the Director of Policy and Government Affairs at the American Principles Project. John, it's been awesome. Every time we have you on, uh, I always uh, look forward to it because uh, I get to have conversations from the inside, I feel like, um, yeah. instead of hearing it on the outside from Twitter and news sources or whatever. And so it's always good. And I hope that our listeners understand that when and they appreciate yeah. this. It's a you know, we don't always talk about, you know, politics and things like that, but we do need to be engaged and understand what's happening. And guys like you, I really appreciate because you're doing the good work, you know, mm -hmm. in a place that is definitely needed. And so I just want to say thank you personally and appreciate everything you do, man. Well, thanks so much. I I appreciate it too. And I thanks for having me on, guys. I had a lot of fun. So, Excellent. yeah, man. And when you're on TimCast, just don't forget to give us all that war a shout out. <laughs> all say, right. Say, hey, they discovered me. I'll do me. a little shout out. Okay. And you can, you can publicly disavow me on TimCast <laughs> if you want. You just can say, hey, before everything goes started, you know, I did, I wasn't able to do this on, uh, when I went to, when I was on Tucker, cause right. he's a big dog now. Um, I just want to go out and throw and say, my boy Rosie, I disavow you. And you can say you can even just do it that way. My boy Rosie from All Out War Podcast. Yeah, I disavow, I disavow him publicly. Yeah, and people will just search us for that. You can, <laughs> for getting kicked out of the sushi restaurant, I disavow you. Also, he's got a podcast called. All yeah, that's War right. <laughs> well, thanks again, John. All right, we'll do. When I promote this on Twitter, I'll make sure to disavow. <laughs> I'll disavow myself probably because I, I had several cancelable statements. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, take it easy guys. See you. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. If you had a blast, then we'd love to have you back for another episode. So please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Out War Podcast or on Twitter at AOWCast. These episodes are also available on YouTube unless they contain a little too much truth. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.